Happy Super Bowl Sunday. And we are actually, if you're new, in the middle of a series called Potential, God Placed Greatness in You. And we're taking a little bit of a parentheses or a pause to talk about potential from a different perspective. We've been journeying through the life of David in the Bible, King David. And today I'm going to interview one of my good buddies, Eric Frampton, uh, who played seven years in the NFL. Let me give you just a little bit of background before uh, I welcome him up here, and we're going to talk about this whole idea of potential and uh, living into your God-given potential in the football arena. You guys excited? I could tell. So here's what's fun. Uh, Eric played locally here, grew up San Jose, played at Oak Grove High School, all-league junior year scoring 17 touchdowns just in one season. That's unbelievable. College, uh, he was uh, played for Washington State Cougars. Known as a big hitter with a motor that never stops, Frampton received the Washington State Ironman Award in 2004, was a two-year starter, and then awarded all Pac-10 honors as a senior. And as a senior, he was a Cougar uh, leading uh, tackler, 100 total, uh, and played both free safety and strong safety. His NFL seven-year career, four playoff runs, drafted by the Oakland Raiders. I was just seeing. I was curious. You know, you guys... I gave you a chance. I gave you a chance, Raider fans, and you blew it. <laughs> kind of like the season. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Too, too soon. I get it. Uh, in the fifth round of the 2007 NFL draft, played for the Detroit Lions, then played five years with the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. He was a, a team leader uh, for the special teams along with uh, Brett Farr and a guy named Adrian Peterson. You probably never heard of those guys. Then he played for the world-renowned, amazing, best team on the face of the planet, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and finished his career at uh, the New Orleans Saints. Can you welcome Eric Frampton on up? Come on up. All right, so I got a few pictures to start off our um, you do uh, our time. I do, I do. So uh, why don't you bring that up? Yeah, <laughs> you were cute as a kid. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> um, that was playing Pop Warner for Oak Grove Renegades. Oak Grove Renegades. Yep. And I love the story of how you started in football. Would you mind telling how you ended up playing? Is it that team that you yeah, ended yeah, up playing yeah. with? That's the team, yeah. All right, so, so what, what is that? Hang on, let me fix this for you. All right. There you go. <clears throat> yeah, so actually, um, I, was, I was a late addition uh, to the team, and uh, I'd let my dad know, you know, that I wanted to, you know, play, you know, play football. I had a friend that played, and um, so he, he took me out, and, uh, you know, we talked to the coach, and the coach uh, you know, basically, late addition means you didn't sign up in time, and you just kind of showed right. up. That's yeah. right. I just yeah. showed up exactly, and so um, and so the coach had me race against uh, their fastest guy, on you know the fastest guy in the team, and I beat him. And the coach said, you know, get this kid some pads, and and that was that was it. No paperwork. No paperwork. No paperwork. They, <laughs> they they don't let that stuff fly anymore. No. They're very, no. Now here's another cool. I want to just show you when we're talking about potential. Just uh, this next slide right here. 
got a picture of you from Pop Warner to then Oak Grove High, then to uh, with Washington State, and then as a pro right there. And just kind of see the progression is really cool. Uh, and when we're talking about potential uh, and, a, and a look at your life, especially in retrospect, it's easy for somebody to my, like me or like us to kind of think, well, you know what, that story whooped a guy. Eric was destined for greatness, destined for the NFL. Um, and, you know, every kid has this dream to play pro or to be a professional musician or an astronaut, something, you know, we sure. have these big pie-in-the-sky mm -hmm. dreams, but so few <clears throat> of us actually fulfill it. And here's my question here. Did you always feel like you were destined for greatness? Like, hey, I was going to, you know, that progression right there, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as, you know, to, to, to be honest with you, I did not. Um, I always felt next to greatness. Hmm. So, you know, very talented players on the teams that I played on, um, but never destined for greatness. And um, as a matter of fact, I remember a conversation that, uh, you know, when I was in college, you know, my roommates and a couple of friends were all kind of, you know, huddled up and, you know, we we're talking about, you know, where do we see, you know, each person in five to 10 years? Right. Um, and I had a roommate that had been successful early on. He was a, he also played on the team and started as a freshman. And, uh, you know, they, they called out my roommate. They said, I see, you know, I see him, you know, playing in the NFL for 10 years, really successful career. Um, and then they got to me and they said, yeah, or, you know, the, the individual said, you know, Eric, you know, I see you as a successful businessman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was at that moment that I, really, I, I realized that it was um, more about what I felt than uh, what people, you know, said I was. Sure. Right. So, so speak to that for a second. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel in that moment? Because we all have people that are going to say stuff that's going to detract us, that's going to knock us down sure and that probably wasn't I mean it's kind of a backhanded compliment if you will right it's one of those yeah. you walk away from and you go like oh man mm -hmm. what does that mean mm -hmm. what, what did they really think about me yeah and then what is the internal engine or at least what you felt regardless of what someone said yeah it was um you know for me it was it was kind of a motivator right received it and um you know, to be honest with you, it was like, hey, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. But, you know, internally, I, you know, these are my goals and this is what I'm aspiring to. Um, and, and really, it was kind of just kind of kind of carrying that chip on my shoulder. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's really fascinating, too. Right. Because the critics in our life, they can either demotivate or motivate us, can't they? Uh, you can either take it too hard and then it becomes a state of your life, or you can allow it, you know, to be something that then drives you, uh, and you, you aren't what someone says about you. That's right. uh, and what's fascinating, even just when we're talking about being destined for greatness on this, is I, I, I thought our conversation, I don't know if it was a month or two ago when we're talking about this, and you go, you know, I always felt like I was next to greatness, but not really great. And it made me realize you can't really see your God-given potential in the mirror. We see it in others, and we celebrate it in others, and we often dismiss it in ourselves just because we're not aware of it, and we don't see what others see in ourselves. And it's so important that we don't let the critics define 
who we become and what we do in life. We, we let who God has called us and, and named us to be, uh, to be that. So um, you had one mantra throughout your career, even to this day. And, and what is that mantra and how did it serve you through this season? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, that mantra is uh, hard, hard work beats talent every time. Um, I, I actually got that from. A hang on, hang on, oh, wait, wait. Okay, there, there's a group of millennials that need to write this down. I, I love you, but I, but I, I say that again. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard work beats talent every time. I know you're a millennial. Did you get offended? I, um, I you know, no? I did not. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's good. <laughs> All right. So, what? Hard work beats talent every time. Uh, Where did you get that? And then then how was that so helpful throughout your career? Yeah, so, so I'm going to be honest. Um, I actually got it from a video game that uh, <laughs> I used to play way back when, and I, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah. millennial! <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, uh, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant phrased it uh, much more eloquently when he said that hard, we, hard work beats talent when, um, when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. And um, you had kind of developed this early on, in high school, it was, you know, and without knowing it, right? So it was after a game, you know, you know, icing, icing the muscles next day, waking up, running hills, right? It was uh, college, right? Running stadium stairs in the off season by myself, preparing while everybody else was kind of just doing their thing. Um, and, and one of the, one of the um, I guess the the uh, quotes that I love are, you know, Will Smith talks about this a little bit, right? And he talks about how, and it's with regards to, you know, uh, him competing against another individual on a treadmill. And he says, uh, you know, I'm going to die on that treadmill before I let someone, you know, outlast me. Right, right. And that's a little extreme, but, <laughs> but, but that was really my approach. Right, it was uh, you know my approach to the game, and uh, when I got to the pros, um, that was exactly it. You know, it was like, hey, I'm gonna work hard regardless of what I'm doing. If it's uh, at the safety position, if it's at special teams, where a lot of players were weeded out early on, um, that I was gonna put in put in the work. Yeah, and this is so important. And I know I will I making fun of millennials a little bit, and I apologize for that. Um, but the reason is really out of love um, because your God-given potential of who he made you to be doesn't come in a fully mature form. It doesn't come in fully developed form. It takes the process of working hard to bring that about. And so many want to step out onto the stage and perform or step into the big moments and, and be the woman or be the man, and it's what you do when no one's looking. It's what you do in the off-season. It's what you do in the early morning and running the stairs uh, that, that allow you to step into who God made you to be. And it's that hard work side of it that you, you just can't underestimate. And, and it's part of it that for some, this morning, you, God put a big dream on your heart. And it feels impossible, and it might even be impossible, but with God, all things are impossible or are possible. And and today is the day where you start to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna start running stairs. I'm gonna start getting up. I'm gonna begin to do the work and and see what God wants to do uh, as you step into that. 
you talked about stepping into your NFL career. I would love to hear the process because uh, I think for many of us, hey, you get drafted by the NFL. Um, life's rosy. You've made it. You're awesome. Take us through, okay, Washington State, you're known as this hard-hitting, nonstop, you know, um, tackling machine. And then take us through the process of getting drafted, the combine, pro day, and, and there's such a roller coaster for mm -hmm. you in your early stages of your career. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so I had had this, um, this great uh, college career, and um, I remember being slated as like a top safety, right? It was, uh, I was projected second to fourth round, uh, somewhere in there, um, and that was a great safety class, by the way. Um, you know, there were a lot of, lot of great safeties. And um, I remember uh, I, I got an invite to the Combine. Explain for those who don't know sure. what the Combine is. Yeah, so the Combine is it's the top high school players, um, our college players, thanks, Ryan, uh, across the nation um, that get an invite, an exclusive invite, um, you know, to, this, uh, to, this, to the Combine. Um, and it's a time where you meet with coaches. Um, I remember I, I uh, sat in, you know, a number of hotel rooms with GMs and head coaches, and, you know, they had me kind of, you know, get on the whiteboard and drop plays. I mean, it's a really intense time. Um, and going into the combine, you know, my, you know, my draft stock was, you know, was high. Uh, and I remember I ran a slower than expected 40. Uh, and also, um, you know, as far as my, you know, my bench press reps at 225, they were a little bit low. Now, why were they a little bit low? I, you got the hurt bench. earlier. Yeah, right? I, I, I strained my pec, um, and I decided, you know, I'm going to still try, you know, to, to kind of muscle through it. Um, yeah, I'd done it, you know, hundreds of times in training, uh, but this was much different. Yeah, and this is a moment, you know, this is where you're – NFL scouts, coaches, everybody's there to see you perform <coughs> and to judge you against everyone in individual feats of strength, I guess, is the best way, sure. you know, whether it's the bench press or the 40 uh, and, and all those sort of things. And so a lot of pressure, and you got to perform your best, and it really impacts uh, your draft stock. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and so um – you know, so after the combine, we have what's called a pro day, and that's where, you know, the rest of the, the college athletes get to kind of display, you know, um, you know what they have. And, uh, but it's also an opportunity for those who were invited to the combine to go back and improve on, you know, in, you know, in individual areas. Um, and so I improved a little bit, right? Um, but what was done was done. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, fast forward to the draft, I remember, um, you know, it was myself, a good buddy of mine, all of my family kind of, kind of, um, you know, huddled in the living room, and um, you know, it was day one of the draft, so I was, you know, hopes were high. I was like, hey, I'm going in the first day. Uh, you know, I was pretty pumped up, and then you know, first day ends and my name isn't called. So how many rounds went in the first day? Yeah, so first and second round. And that was way back when. I think it's, the format has changed since then. Uh, but first and second round, um, you know, they go in the first day. And so it's the second day, and I'm thinking, you know, for sure, you know, third, fourth round, you know, I'm, I'm going in the draft. And 
Um, there were actually a couple teams that actually that I thought had showed the most interest at the combine that actually passed passed up on me, uh, and that was that was a little bit discouraging. But um, but still, you know, just kind of sitting in the living room two days, you know, waiting. I think my family they were all off doing things because there was a lot of <laughs> it's intense. It's intense. Yeah. It's intense. And so um, you know, so finally the Raiders, you know, they 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 were. Uh, you know, on the draft board, and um, and I, I saw my name flash across the screen, and, uh, you know, tremendous relief, but again, it was like the fifth round, you know, it was like, all right, I, I have something to prove, um, and so. So fifth round, so waiting, and waiting is one of the hardest things in life, uh, and you're just sitting, the tension's building, uh, fifth round finally comes, your name gets drafted, uh, and you're feeling probably relieved, uh, excited. I mean, something that you had as a, a young boy, a dream, now is coming to fruition. You start in your NFL career, drafted hometown Raiders. That's pretty exciting. That's cool. So what happens? You, you made it. I mean, you made it, so everything works out great, and uh, you, you live happily ever after, right? You know, I thought so. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so actually it was the complete opposite. And so, um, you know, I was drafted by the Raiders, you know, huge celebration, you know, hometown. Uh, you know, I, you know, I had a, a decent training camp, uh, and then I'm cut at the end of training camp. And, you know, if you know anything about football, if you get drafted, you don't get cut, right? Um, so I get cut, and I remember, you know, packing my Honda Accord, you know, up with all of my belongings and thinking, okay, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to, you know, go finish school because I left a little bit early. Um, and, you know, about, um, you know, I'm on the freeway and 10 minutes in, I get a call from the, the Detroit Lions and they say, hey, we want to assign you to the active roster. Um, and so instead of, I mean, I think I stopped, I briefly stopped by home and then I just kept driving to Detroit. <laughs> and that was, that was it. <laughs> You show up in Detroit, and now there's a little bit more trepidation when it's coming to, okay, this isn't a sure deal. You get an apartment, but what do you furnish your apartment with? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I bought a, a really good mattress, a memory foam mattress. Um, I had some shower curtains and, uh, and a TV so I could watch film. And I think the, the lady who... That's game tape, not just... Like, game tape, that's right. Not just yeah, movies. So game tape. <laughs> game tape. And so uh, the, um, you know, the, the lady that worked at the, um, you know, at the apartment, uh, she was really nice, and she brought me, like, a little cutting board with some utensils and stuff, and, <laughs> and that was it. I didn't buy anything else. How that come? Was, I think it was at that point I, I realized that the, you know, the NFL, they say it stands for, you know, not for long, and, uh, and getting cut made me realize, like, hey, I could be in Detroit for a week, two weeks. Three weeks, you know. So how many weeks were you in Detroit? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so they actually, um, you know, they wanted to, you know, move me down to practice squad because they had an injury at corner. And, you know, you know when that happens, you have to at least hit the waiver wire, right? For what is the waiver wire? For all us yeah. fantasy football players, we know what the waiver <laughs> wire is. But for those who don't, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, so that means that... Uh, you know, the, there are a number of teams that have first dibs to sign you to their active roster. 
and it usually uh, starts with the worst team and then kind of goes, you know, worst to best, right? And Just like fantasy football. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so, I, so I go up to the office and I'm sitting with, uh, you know, the head of player personnel and uh, he says, all right. You know, he, he slides the practice squad contract, you know, in front of me. He says, all right, let's, uh, let's see what happens. And practice squad is not only you're not on the active roster, it's a significant cut in pay. It's, it's pay just kind of like a, a livable wage at that point. That's right. Um, not only the personal um, pride and stuff that you feel in that moment, that's got to be hard. Um, so that moment, you're sitting in the office, passes the practice squad contract in front of you, and then what happens? Yeah, so, so five minutes um, into it, he gets a call from the Minnesota Vikings, and they say, you know, hey, they, they're claiming me, uh, and they want to put me on the active roster. And so, uh, so I drove back to my apartment, <laughs> left the mattress, but, but packed everything, you know, packed it's my car up. a good mattress. Up. How could you leave the good you know, mattress? That's, you know, it was imp- I couldn't take it with me. I had to, <laughs> I had to leave it. But, uh, you know, packed up the car and, and drove to Minnesota. In this incredible story, uh, and part of it, there's a, I, I was going to use the word farce because it's appropriate, but nobody uses that word anymore. A fallacy, uh, a misnomer. How many different synonyms can I come up with in uh, 30 seconds? But about the Christian life and about God's will that I don't want you to miss. People believe that if it's God's will for your life, it should be easy. People believe that if it's God's will for your life, then there's open doors in front of you. And if you have a closed door, it must not be God's will. I, I, I just got to say, I mean, if, if you applied that principle to the NFL, you'd be a real good businessman, but not at playing in the NFL. <laughs> That's right. Right? That's right. Uh, because you had multiple hurdles, multiple things. Uh, and, and that's for some in this room. You just need to hear this because you hit an obstacle. You, you hit hard times. You, you hit a closed door. And yet that doesn't mean the dream that God put on your heart and your life isn't his call for you. And you need to double down and go, okay, God, I'm going to get after it. You called me to it, so you're going to see me through it. All right. Thank you. Um, now, one of the things that I love, and so I've gotten to hang out we couple years we just become good buddies uh and as we talk uh just about life and about all sorts of stuff and we actually work out you can tell together um, and i'm glad you wore the team jersey yeah the team right. jersey. I got in, in our gym i i say i train him uh and right. uh, one guy actually kind of believed it that's right yeah he's like i don't know what you're doing with this guy but uh, oh well um but i've watched you Time and time again, and you hit, maybe it's an overwhelming issue, an obstacle, a challenge. Maybe it's at work or home or life. And you have this refrain. And so one of, the, one of my favorite things and most challenging things about Eric is he'll talk about something hard, and then he ends it this way, but it's good, and then he smiles. <laughs> he does every single time. Oh, it's good, but it's all good. It's good. I've gotten to hang out just with a handful of, 
elite performers and those that are at the peak of whatever their industry is. And I noticed something. They all have this same mantra. It's, they're walking through a difficult time. They're walking through, uh, it seems like an impossible task. And they'll name what it is, and then their next line. Uh, this is like not just lots of different people. It's good. It's good. Like, it doesn't sound good. It sounds hard. And if I was going through it, I'm like, it sucks. That's how <laughs> I would respond to it. But there's a mindset, and there's an attitude shift and what in our conversations, one of the things I, I picked up on wasn't so much that you were saying it to me to tell me that it's good. It was almost as if you're saying it to yourself, like you're preaching to yourself to say, no, it's good. I know this is hard, but it's good. Talk about how your attitude and mindset and, and that, that shift in perspective really has helped you persevere through all of these obstacles in your career. Yeah, so um, you know, so one of my one of my favorite uh, you know poems, if you will, is by uh, by Charles Swindoll, and um, you know he says that you 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 can't change the past, you can't change the fact that people act in a certain way, and that you can't change the inevitable, but the one string you can play on is your attitude, and that life is really ten percent what happens to you and 90% how you react. Um, and that, that is something that I've taken to heart. And as a matter of fact, my college coach uh, would actually, he made me memorize it, and I would recite it in front of our defensive back room. Um, and I didn't get it on the first couple tries, let's say that. But, um, but that's something that, you know, has always, um, something I've carried with me, right? Uh, even in my office at work, I have, you know, the attitude, um, you know, poem, and every morning I, I walk in, I see it, and I'm reminded of it. That's so good. And I know we can get to the cheesy ones of, you know, the soar higher than an eagle posters and some of those sort of things. And yet, because of that, we often dismiss something that's really, really important. That, that your attitude and your affects your approach and, and whether you'll be able to persevere uh, through something. Uh, Psalm 15, verse 3, it's talking about uh, the person who dwells on God's uh, holy hill, his mount. And the NIV says it's he who speaks or the one who speaks truth from their heart. The NASB translates that little word, and it's really fascinating. It says he who speaks truth in his heart. I think for many, you, you've not been speaking truth to your heart. You, you've been telling yourself things that aren't true about you, that aren't true about your God, that aren't true about what's going on, and, and realizing, man, your perspective shapes uh, so much about life. I love that, that 10% you know, is your circumstance and uh, 90% how you react. is that. It, yeah, and my dad has a little equation, my sister over there, if I forget it, uh, but E equals, uh, help me out, huh? Plus purpose, yeah, e, e equals C plus P, all right? Your experience equals your circumstance plus your perspective. And I think that's so powerful. It's not just your circumstances. And you can, you know, look at it as, you know, the E or life is terrible, life is good, this is hard. Or you can go, hey, guess what? I got, I got my dream job. I was drafted by the Raiders. 
and then I was cut. I got picked up by Detroit. This is awesome. And then I got demoted to the practice squad. Then you get picked up by Minnesota. And you spent five years at Minnesota. You got to be a part of the... um, the leadership core of the team with Brett Farr and Adrian Peterson. Uh, you are a leader on that team. And really, it goes back to a, some advice a, your college coach, I believe, gave to you that allowed you to thrive uh, in the NFL. What was that advice, and, and how did it impact you? Yeah, so um, so I'll start by saying that uh, you know my college coach, you, you saw the highlights on the video, and um, he, I, I actually – he, it was a requirement for me only to play on all phases of special teams before I saw the field as a safety. So freshman, sophomore years, you're playing every special every teams special down. Teams. Yeah, so, so as a matter of fact, you read the, uh, the, the Ironman Award. Um, not only was it you know, the, the first team all packed 10, but also that was the, the, the award designated for the special teams performer of the year. So I had no choice. <laughs> it was like, you know, you're going to play special teams and, um, and you're going to be a safety. And, and even when I st- um, started at safety, I continued to play special teams. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really helped me in the NFL uh, because, you know, when, when guys get drafted into the NFL or even signed with a team, you know, a lot of guys feel like, hey, I've arrived. I deserve to be a starter. And for me, it was, hey, I have to start somewhere. And until I'm starting, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to put, you know, give special teams my all. And that's really an area where guys get weeded out early on. And it was, it was a way that I was able to kind of stick. Yeah, and your coach really gave you the advice, if I remember correctly, like, hey, Fran, focus on special teams when mm-hmm. you get to the NFL because mm-hmm. you can build a career from that. That's right. Yeah. And and this is a, an important thing because a lot of guys get weeded out because they don't want to do the dirty work, if you will. Mm-hmm. They, they want to be the all-star. They got recruited. They got drafted. And so, hey, I'm used to being a starter, and I'm a big deal on my campus, and all of a sudden you step into a new arena, and you start over again. That's true from the college to your new career to your next career, uh, and being willing to go, okay, there's no job beneath me. Uh, How far you go in life is often by that perspective. No, there's no job beneath me. I'll do whatever it takes. And so if it's special teams, man, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to show up there. And so you spent five years with Minnesota Vikings. Um, what were some of just your highlights of your time? Yeah, so I, I, like you mentioned, I'd say, you know, playing with Brett Favre and um, Adrian Peterson and Jared Allen. I mean, these great athletes, right? Um, but also the community that we had in the locker room, right? I mean, we, we did, you know, Bible studies together. I mean, it was, um, you know, we're like you know, brothers, right? It was a fraternity. Um, so uh, uh, with that being said, I'd say um, probably the NFC Championship game against the Saints. Um, and that, that was, I mean, that year was amazing. And that was the first year that Brett, you know, had joined us. And um, just, a, just an incredible year. It didn't end the way we wanted it to, um, but that would probably be the highlight. 
Now, you talked about in that having Bible studies, and it, there's a certain sense of camaraderie, brotherhood, community. Um, talk about, like, your faith in your NFL career, relationship with one another. So what, what are some of the things that uh, was really challenging? What were some of the things that just, man, were, it was such a joy. Like, you know, there's certain seasons of our life, I think, in our college days, sometimes you have more community than in your professional career, and so you look back and really love that. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you go, man, this was so great for my faith and my walk with Jesus, and these were some of the challenges I faced. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd start off by saying some of the challenges were, um, you know, you have, um, you know, you have the, 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 the athlete, right? And there are certain things that define or make up a great athlete, right? And then it was, you know, that's great, but, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian, right? And, and you know, kind of trying to reconcile those two things. Um, and, I, and I think I, I, I ended up, uh, you know, asking myself the question, you know, uh, if Jesus were out here on the football field, what would that look like? How hard would he hit that guy? Is oh, that extremely, yeah. extremely hard. I mean, he's, he's going to be laying people, he'd probably be laying people out. So, so, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say that, um, you know, that was the most difficult part, um, you know, and in terms of, uh, you know, my faith again, college is, uh, it's like, it's like a family, right? And uh, I remember Athletes in Action was, you know, instrumental in like kind of creating that. Uh, that community, and then getting to the NFL, it was, um, I mean, it was difficult, it was a business, you didn't know how long you were going to be, you know, with one team, and so it was like, do you really, you know, reach out, or branch out, and, you know, try to, you know, kind of uh, get rooted in a, in a community, and I'd say in Minnesota, I did that, and, uh, and that was, that was, uh, that was instrumental in, in my development. That's awesome. So you don't know how long you're going to be with the team. You were with Minnesota five years. Then you get traded to the best team on the planet, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, okay, they're not the best team, but um, they're awesome. Let's just be clear. They're, <laughs> they're awesome. The 90s were great Yeah, for that's us. right. I agree I'm still you. living in it. <laughs> <laughs> you get traded. You actually have your best statistical career with the Cowboys mm -hmm. because they're the best team. I, I understand that. 19 sold tackles, 11 uh, tackle assist. Uh, so you're just getting better throughout your career in your role. Uh, walk us through. You play a year with the Cowboys. Then you end up with the Saints. And how did you discern, okay, seven years, it's been good, but I'm going to – going to walk away from the game that I've spent ever since I was a Pop Warner yeah. building a career on? Yeah, so, um, yeah, great question. So when I left Minnesota, um, yeah, I, I realized that, you know, I was getting older, you know, you start hitting the circuit, and it's like, uh, you know, you don't know, you know, where you're going to stick at that point, because you're, you're, you are moving around. How old is old in the NFL? Well, <laughs> You know, I, I would say, you know, for my position, you know, 30s, but Brett, I mean, uh, Tom Brady, obviously, you know, kind of, you know, so uh, at, at that point, I realized that, hey, I, I need to start thinking about a transition. 
a plan. And so I went back um, the last, it actually took me three years, but I went back to graduate school and, uh, and that was, t that was, it was tough, you know, and I drug my wife with me. So, uh, you know, while all the other players were, you know, traveling the world and taking these great trips, we were on campus. And, um, and so, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, played with Dallas and had a lot of success. Uh, you know, joined uh, the New Orleans Saints, and at that point, Amy was uh, pregnant with our, our first, Josiah. Uh, and, you know, she, so uh, what was that, 2014, uh, January 16th, Josiah was born. And I had also, you know, I was wrapping up my MBA. And so it was at that point I thought, you know, and there were still some teams that were interested, but I thought, you know, I don't know if the transient lifestyle is going to suit, you know, our family uh, as well. And so that's when I started to think that, um, you know, that's when I knew, you know, that, I, you know, it's time to, to use my mind instead of my body, you know, and, and, and that was really the, the, the turning point there. And that's a major transition, right? Uh, you go from spending your energy building your body to beat it down every Sunday, uh, the intensity, the focus, the adrenaline rush of the game, of you know, running out onto the field, hearing thousands of fans cheer, uh, and then you enter the work world. And that happens at your work world, right? Thousands of people cheer when you go into the <laughs> office. <laughs> Maybe we can just get like a tape playing when you come on Sunday. We'll just start cheering for you uh, as you get here. Talk about that transition, because I can only imagine that's a massive transition. Uh, what was the impact for you? Uh, what are some of the lessons you learned? Because we all have major transitions in our life, you know, whether it is from going from single to uh, dating or married life to college to career to, you know, retirement. There's, life is filled with transitions. You know, what, what are some of the things that you learned in that transition? Yeah, so, um, so I, I learned, um, you know, that um, not, not just in the transition, but it, it was really highlighted in the transition um, that life is filled with peaks and valleys, right? They're inevitable. And that it's how accurately you can assess those, those valleys and get the right attitude uh, that allows you to actually, um, you know, those are defining moments, right? And so for me, um, I realized that the, the, the things that I had, um, you know, built, right? You know, the, you know as far as uh, what... Uh, I'd learned in the NFL, so my attitude, um, hard work, uh, those things, um, you know, transitioned to the work world, and it wasn't, you know, obviously, you know, different industries, but the same things apply when it comes to, you know, being successful. And one last thing before we go, uh, because those same principles do apply putting the work in, doing what others, you know, aren't doing, having the perspective and attitude and the habits of your heart and soul is what sustains you for a lifetime. And so just talk about the centrality of your relationship uh, with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, so I'd say that, um, that knowing that uh, the war, you know, has already been won, right, through Jesus Christ, really allowed me and allows me 
to make the right decision, not necessarily the most, you know, the, the popular decision, but the right decision, knowing that I don't, you know, I just need to make sure uh, I'm trusting in the process, right? And that, you know, it's, it's not just this life that I'm, that I'm living for, but it's eternity. And being able to, to kind of keep that in focus, uh, that's, that's gold. That's awesome. Can we thank Eric for being here? Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Why don't you stand with us, and we'll send you out. As you go from this place, will you remember God placed greatness in you? Don't ever forget. Potential is almost impossible to see in the mirror. And he's put dreams on your heart. And he wants to use you mightily. And so will you go from this place with courage? Will you go from this place with joy? Will you go knowing that you are fully loved so that you can fully love those around you? In Jesus' strong name, amen.